Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, praise God. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Sister Sue, could you help me this morning take up our discipleship offering, if you would, ma'am? Amen. God bless this offering this morning. Amen. And touch your people, God, I pray. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's talk about Jesus. The King of kings is he. The Lord of all supreme throughout eternity. The great I am the way. The truth, the light, the door. Let's talk about Jesus more and more. Let's talk about Jesus. The King of Kings is He. The Lord of all supreme throughout eternity. The great I am, the way, the truth, the light, the door. Let's talk about Jesus more and more. Amen. Praise God. That's what it's all about is Jesus. Amen. Well, we want to get right into our discipleship lesson this morning, dealing again with core values. Amen. Now, we've already talked about apostolic doctrine. We've talked about apostolic unity. We've talked about apostolic identity. Last month, we talked about apostolic worship. And now we want to talk about apostolic ministry. Our core values never change. Amen. They're the same because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The doctrine is not going to change. The ministry is not going to change. The identity is not going to change. The unity of the body is not going to change. And the ministry is not going to change. Amen. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 15, when he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints. Keep that in mind, that word right there. The perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry. For the edifying of the body of Christ. If you looked at those three basic parts right there of that passage of scripture, this is what the church is all about. This is the overall premises in the design of God's church is to perfect the people, to work the ministry, and to bring about the edification to the body of Christ. Amen. We build up, we strengthen, we grow together, we get stronger and stronger in the things of God. Amen. We forget the old ways of life and we move to the newness of life. So we want to perfect, we want to be complete in Him. This is why Paul says in Colossians 2, now you're complete in Him, which is the head of all principalities and powers. Amen. You want to be complete in Jesus. You don't want anything to be able to come between you and Jesus Christ. You want to be so rooted and attached to God that nothing, dynamite, can even blow you away from Him. Amen. You want to be solid. You want to be firm and steadfast in this because you know what he is able to do and able to do in your life. So for the perfecting of the saints, for the working of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come into, notice, the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God 
And here that word is again, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children. Paul says, when I was a child, I act like a child, I thought as a child. He says, but when I came a man, I put away childish things. Amen. We're not to be children in our knowledge and understanding of God. We are to know. We are to be rooted and steadfast. Tossed and to, to and fro by and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slate of men, by the cunning craftiness whereby they lie and wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up unto him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Notice, amen. Speaking truth in love. Praise God, because God is love. So notice that if you would just focus on that, those five verses right there and how it impacts the overall premises to build us into Jesus Christ. And that's what the ministry's responsibility is, is to bring us all into the knowledge and the understanding of God. Paul says in first Corinthians, I mean first Timothy 3.16, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. And so they had a responsibility to teach the people Jesus Christ. And that's what the gospel is all about. It is the death, it is the bill, and it is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And once we come into the knowledge of that, once we are baptized in Jesus' name, once we are filled with the Holy Ghost, we are to move on to perfection. We are to get complete in Him. And so the ministry is designed to help us to get to that point. A lot of people don't realize the value of the church is that's the, why the purpose of the church is, is because of the ministry of the church is designed to perfect the saints. Yeah, you can stay home all day long, but you're not going to get perfected because God has his people in a certain place and designed so he can teach you. Amen. And that's why we have Bible study. That's why we have discipleship class. That's why we have preaching of the word of God. That's why we bring evangelists in. That's why we bring missionaries in. You see, the overall thing is to bring us all together to understand how it all works together. That's why in the military, amen, when you first come in the military, you don't understand everything. But after you get in there, you start realizing you ain't by yourself. There's a whole great big piece of puzzle here, and all that puzzle fit together in the Department of Defense. It might be Army, it might be Air Force, it might be Navy, it might be Coast Guard, it might be Marines, it might be civilians that work for the Department of Defense. But when you look at the overall picture, it all comes together for one purpose, to support and defend the Constitution of the United States. The same way with the church. There's different ministries uh, in the church. Amen. But all of it is designed for what? To perfect the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And when you get those yahoos that say, I don't need a pastor, just let them go by themselves. Okay? Because they, they, what they're saying is, I don't need God. Okay? Because God has his ministry in place. Amen to perfect and to bring us to, to an understanding of who he is. Amen. And once you start building a relationship, you'll be able to determine falseness from truth. Amen. You'll be able to see it based on the word of God. That's why you have to study the word of God. That's how, you know, it's just like going to school. The teacher give you assignment. You have to study, you know, so that you know what is being taught 
and you have read and understand it. Amen. So what is apostolic ministry? In the church today, there's a great familiarity with what we call pastoral ministry. And everyone who goes to church is somewhat familiar with the pastor's ministry. And many know their pastor personally. There is also an extensive understanding of evangelistic ministry. From time to time, an evangelist come to our churches, have a revival, or to conduct special meetings, or to promote a specific crusade of outreach. These ministries, along with the teaching ministry, compromise our understanding of how the church should function and is formed around the pastoral ministry. See, I'm the pastor of this church, and you know that. But if you notice, I'm always bringing other people here, too. I bring missionaries. I bring evangelists. What is it to help us to be able to perfect you? Though sometimes they bring different tools to the table as well to keep you with an understanding to help you to grow as well here. Amen. So we do these things. On occasions, there's an evangelistic surge featuring a regular teaching by those in leadership and perhaps a few select others which are given to ground us in doctrine, truth, principles, and practical application. You don't see me teaching all the time. Sometimes Sister Parker teach. Sometimes Brother DeMove teach. Sometimes we may have someone else that's just passing through sometimes. We may have them to teach. Amen. Or sometimes I may call on somebody else to, to, to teach. Okay? But it's all designed to what? Perfect us. To bring us into that understanding and ground us in doctrine, to ground us in truth, to draw us in principles, and to show us how it applies in your life. That's the overall design of the church, is to perfect us so you see, okay, this applies to me. Okay, now I understand how it applies to me. Amen. And that's how I need to live my life, praise God, based on that. But the church today must be restored to New Testament apostolic function and pattern so that Christ may work through the body the way Scripture describes for it to do. However, according to the Word of God, for such recovery to take place, prophetic and apostolic ministry must be restored to their proper function, structures, and priority in the church, or that will never happen. Apostolic ministry gives bring structure, definition, and order to the church. As Paul told Timothy and Titus, as I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus, when I went into Macedonia, that thou mightst charge some that they teach no other doctrine, neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies, which ministers questions rather than godly edifying, which is in faith, so do. First Timothy 1, 3 through 4. And for this cause I left thee in Crete, tell Titus, that thou should set in order the things that are wanting and ordain elders in every city as I have appointed thee. For Titus uh, chapter 1, verse 5. Amen. So we want to see the church in agreement of concerning Jesus, who Jesus really is. Amen. All the church has got to be on the same pattern and the same page. The depths to which he wants to transform us through intimacy. In other words, God wants to have such a close relationship with you and I that it will blow our minds. Amen. He wants to impart to you more wisdom and knowledge 
and understanding as to who he is and what he desires to do through you and what he really wants to accomplish through us for his church. We must long to see believers mature in character and become a functioning part of the body for Christ. As Paul told the church at Ephesus in Colossus, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you be rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height, and to know the love of Christ, which passive knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Amen. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17 and 19. And then he goes on and says, So that you may walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father, which had made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who have delivered us from the powers of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Colossians chapter 1, verse 10 through 13. So during this lesson, we're going to talk about our apostolic ministry. Now, as I just read all of that, you heard a lot. Amen. And as I said, the overall goal here is to, can you turn me down some, is to perfect the saints of God. Amen. Now, we have, as I said earlier also, we've already talked about apostolic doctrine. So we should have that down. We should know what the doctrine is. Amen. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the doctrine of Jesus Christ. Amen. We are designed. Baptism in Jesus' name. The infilling of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Living a holy and godly and separated life. We've already covered this as the doctrine. Our identity. Who we are in Christ. Amen. We should know this, our unity to build the body. Two cannot walk together except they be in agreement. We've got to be in agreement with God. I can never be in agreement with you if I'm not in agreement with God. Amen. So we've got to have that relationship. The overall thing, as I said, is to build us in Christ. That's what they was trying to do from the onset of the church. That's why when day one, as soon as Peter stepped out on the platform, after they was filled with the Holy Ghost, he began to tell them about Jesus Christ. They was wondering, what meaneth this? What did he do? He preached to them Jesus Christ. Because the overall thing was to pull people in to be with Christ. Because that's what he came for. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come unto the knowledge of the truth. So the apostolic ministry is designed, amen, to bring every saint of God, everyone, into that knowledge and understanding. When you read the whole New Testament church, letters to the church after the Gospels, it's all about building the church. It's all about building the saints of God. It's all about correcting the saints of God. That's why Paul's letters, as he writes, you see sometimes he's edifying, sometimes he's correcting. He's trying to show you they're, they're wrong so that you and I will see these same things. That's why Paul says the things that was written for was written for what? Our example. Say, we have the example now of how we should live as children of God in the word of God. And so when we bring these ministries together, 
when we bring these ministers into the body to teach and to guide us and direct us, what is it designed to do? To strengthen us. Amen. To give us more understanding. A good example of this again in the military. As you go through basic training. The first thing you've got all kinds of instructors in basic. You may go to this class today and you got an instructor teaching about this. You may go over here tomorrow. They got another instructor teaching about this. You may go over here tomorrow and you got a civilian teaching about this. You know, and you get to play with all kinds of things in basic training to get you indoctrinated to know what you're a part of. After basic training, what do they do? They send you off to your advanced course. Now they take you to a different level. You get to learn more. But what are they doing? They're just pounding the doctrine. They're just bringing you, strengthening you into what you need to know and to do. And as you grow into your own personal unit, you get to the place where you need to be. Now you are perfected to be able to carry on. You've got to now realize what you got and what you brought to the table. Now you've got to put it into play. You was not just brought into the church to sit on the pew. You came into this and God drew you. Jesus says in John 15, you didn't call me, I called you. Amen. And I ordain you. So therefore, you've got a responsibility in this body. Amen. To go now and to bring forth fruit and meat for repentance. Amen. So we have to realize. So. As the offices of the apostolic ministry, Paul writing to the church at 1 Corinthians 12, verse 28, and he says, And God hath set some in the church, first apostles, secondly prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. Amen. So notice how he places them in the church. Notice who does it. Man doesn't do this. His God. His God's church. It's not my church. I hear people always say, my church. No, it's not your church. It's not my church. It's God's church. Amen. And we got to realize that. And so God places people in positions of authority and leadership as he sees fits. So first, he says, apostles, apostolos, a delegate, specifically an ambassador of the gospel, officially a commissioner of Christ that, that with miraculous powers, apostle, messengers, he that is sent, I send, to send from one person to another and from one place to another, persons immediately designated by Christ and sent by him to preach the gospel to all mankind. When you look at Paul's letters, all 13 of his letters to the church, he begins those letters by letting you know what he's called to do. If you look at Romans 1.1, go to Romans 1.1. Amen. What do you see? Romans 1, chapter 1. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ. What is he called to be? An apostle. Amen. He's called to be an apostle. Notice, separated unto what? The gospel of Jesus Christ. He's letting us see what he's called by God to do. He's called by God to be an apostle to the Gentiles. He's separated, holy, set apart, right, to the gospel. That's what holiness is, is you're being set apart 
for the gospel, to teach the gospel. Amen. I can't act like the world, be like the world, and expect to teach the gospel of Jesus Christ. God is a holy God. He's, he's, he's pure in every area of his life. And so, therefore, I have to be what God has called me to be. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Paul, called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ, through the will of God, and Scythians, our brother. Notice, it will call to be an apostle of Jesus Christ. Not of man, through the will of God. Amen. Second Corinthians chapter one, verse one. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, in Timothy, our brother, and to the church of God, which is at Corinth, with all saints which are in Achaia. Notice, he's establishing what he has been called to do, an apostle. Galatians one, chapter one. Paul, an apostle, here it is, not of the men, neither by men, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. So notice Paul says here, I didn't, man didn't call me to do this. Amen. It is from God. Ministries are called by God. Amen. It's not of man. If you let man tell you you're called into certain things, you're out of the will of God. Amen. God is the one that calls men into these positions. As he walked by the wayside, he said to his disciples, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. He's the one that chooses, not man. Amen. And so we have to realize this is what God is doing for his church. He knows and he will impart, and he will build up, and he will teach. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Amen. Notice, he's establishing who he is and his call. And you will see this through all of his letters that he has written to the church. He established this, that he has been called by God. Amen. And notice, where did he get his call? Go to Acts 15. Acts 15, verse 1. So when we begin to look at this apostolic ministry and his identity here. Notice, excuse me, back up one second, amen, on that. Go to Acts 13, Acts 13, excuse me, my mistake. One through four. And there was in this church that was Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon, which was called Niger and Lucas of Serene. Who else you hear about from Serene? Simon the of Serene, the one that was made to carry Jesus' cross, right? And what was his son's name? <laughs> and Minion, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrite, and Saul, amen. And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost says, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them to. Notice. God is calling them. 
verse 3, And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. Verse 4, So they being sent for what? By the Holy Ghost departing Seleucia, and from this they sailed to Cyprus. So notice, here is where Paul gets his call, amen, to be an apostle. He's being sent forth by the Spirit, the Holy Ghost. Amen. And this is what you need to realize is God is the one that calls men and called people into the ministry. Amen. And so when God calls us into the ministry, he equips us for what he is calling us to do. Amen. And so we have to realize that God desires to use us. Now, Paul makes mention in Ephesians 5, I mean 4, that he talks about the fivefold ministry. He talks about apostles. He talks about prophets. He talks about evangelists. He talks about pastors. And he talks about teachers. But in the church of Corinth, he's telling us how God has set certain things in the church for the edifying of the body. So we see that the apostles are those that are called for. When you look at the fivefold ministry, when you look at the apostles, when you look at the prophets, when you look at the evangelists, when you look at the pastors, and you look at the teachers, okay, apostles govern God's church. They were the ones that govern it. They were sent forth, and they, in other words, they established God's church. Amen. They, they, they established, they set it up, and they made sure that the governments and everything would be in place of how that church was to run. Amen. In today's vernacular, and when we establish churches, what do we do? We get there, we build it, we set up bylaws of how the church will run, how the church will operate, based on instructions from the higher headquarters. Amen. With that as well. Every church has church bylaws. If you ever want to know what the church stands for, you know, if you're a faithful member, a tie-paying member, you can look at the bylaws and see how it works. So you're not without understanding. Okay? So apostles govern God's church. Prophets, they guided God's church. In other words, they gave direction. When you go back in the Old Testament, you see when the prophet came, everybody was afraid because <laughs> they knew he was coming in the, in the spirit of God. You know, he was coming to tell them where they was off kilter and everything to get them back on track. So they got it, God's church. Evangelists gathered for God's church. That's why you notice when you see evangelists comes in, we call it a revival. We get a bunch of people they come in and they minister and they and they guide. That's why you look at guys like Billy Graham and John Wesley and those guys back in the day. They had such large crowds. These guys was uh, was evangelists, the poor people. We have great evangelists today. Amen. Then we have pastors. Pastors are designed to guard God's church. That's what I do. Is I guard. I tell you when you're wrong. I tell you what you need to be doing. Amen. To guard you, to protect you. That's why the Bible says we are given as an oversight to feed the flock of God. And then you have teachers. And teachers is designed to ground God's church. You can tell the difference a lot of times between evangelists and pastors and teachers because an evangelist is going to usually be more exuberant and 
go forth and stuff. Whereas the teacher is just going to stand there and teach. He may not never raise his voice above certain decibels. You know, if you ever listen to Brother Raymond Woodward, you know, he's a teacher. I mean, he's grounding you. I mean, he grounds you deep. You know, you better become a, sometimes you think you need a PhD, you know, but, but he grounds us in the truth of God's word, you know, you, and you get other guys, you know, like Brother Wayne Huntley, you know, he, he's a pastor, but he's also an evangelist. See, and some positions you can feel more than one position, you know, when God calls you, amen, you can make a big difference. Yes, as a missionary, I was sent forth by God. You know, as a pastor, I guard you. When I go to somebody else's church, I turn into an evangelist. You know, I can prophetic the word of God, the God that church, the God this church, and I can teach. So I can have all five of the apostolic positions and one body. See, that's why when you look at Paul, Paul had more than just apostolic ministry. You know, he was seen also as a prophet because when you look at his letters and how he's written, you know, some would say he was an evangelist, you know, because he traveled and preached to different places. He was a teacher. You can see that by his writing. So, but, but God is the one that calls us to these positions. They're not given to us by man. Man just verifies that that is what God is calling us to do. We have to explain what we feel God is calling us to do. That's just like when a man comes to get his license, the first thing we ask him. I don't ask him, what did your pastor tell you? Who who sent you? I, I asked him, you know, what has God called you to do? Where were you at when God called you? You know, what were you doing? Were you like Nathan under the fig tree? <laughs> you know, what were you doing when God called you? Because you tell me my pastor or my dad or somebody else said, uh, you, you might as well go out the door. See, because man don't, don't call you to these positions. This is spiritual. God is the one that calls you to these positions here. So we see, according to Acts 13, how Paul they're they're in a prayer meeting, and they're fasting. They're in a prayer meeting, and what happened? The Holy Ghost says, "Separate unto me, you know, for which I've called Paul and Simon and 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 Barnabas. Separate them. You know, I got another job I want them to accomplish. And so, and as a result, they were sent forth to be able to do what God wanted them to do, and they established churches." And then all of a sudden you notice when you're reading the scripture, ever so often you see Paul's second missionary journey, he goes back again. They go back to those churches to begin to see if they're still teaching and doing the same thing. When he established, brings up Timothy and Titus, notice what he said. I left you in Crete. I left you in Ephesus that you may charge some that they teach what? No other doctrine. That's the same thing. When someone comes to the church, they better be in the same doctrine. I'm not going to just let anybody come up in here and begin to teach you something that I don't agree with them and believe in. If they believe in three gods, it ain't going to happen. 
Amen. Because that's it goes against the truth of God's Word. So we have to have that understanding, see, that all of us is not in the same body. Amen. We need to realize that. If it had been the case, Jesus would have never got on the Sadducees and Pharisees and the scribes for their false teachings. Amen. So we have to realize that. So we're designed to govern and to guard and to protect and together and to perfect God's body here. Praise God. Amen. And so this is what we're looking at this morning, is how does the apostles go forth and establishes God's church. And Acts 15, now we'll go to Acts 15. We're talking about governing God's church. As you see in Acts 15 here, there was a situation that came up when the Gentiles was being brought into the church. Amen. The Jews had knew under the law of Moses that if a person came, they needed to be circumcised. Amen. So, but they realize now that there's a change because the Gentiles are not Jews. So they had to be able to bring these new people into the church, but how would they establish it to so there was no disagreement? So notice here in Acts chapter 15, amen, how they deal with this situation to governs God's church. Amen. Acts 15, starting with verse 1, amen. And certain men came down from Judea, taught the brethren, and said, Except ye be circumcised after the manner of Moses, you cannot be saved. See? But we but see that the New Testament is already in play. Amen. Jesus fulfilled the law of the Old Testament. See? So there's no need of circumcision the way they're looking at it. Now Paul would make known to the church at Colossians in chapter 2, he says we are circumcised by the circumcision of baptism. See, we are cutting off the old so that we become the new. So that's what baptism is. You're cutting off the old life. See, you're being circumcised by the circumcision of baptism. Amen. When therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and disputation with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain others of them should go up to Jerusalem unto the apostles and elders about this question. See, sometimes in the body, there may come a question that people may not understand. And so that's why you have higher authorities. See, if there's a question that came up in this local church that we didn't have the answer, I would take that question to the district board. See, because the district board is our higher headquarters. These men has been chosen by God, amen, to oversee the body. And if the district board don't have the answer, then we take it to the general board at St. Louis because that's our high, higher headquarters for the answer and how it will come out. That's why if you ever go to the United Pentecostal Church website, at the end you will find what is called position papers. And these position papers are there for people to read to see where the church stands on certain issues. 
If you want to know where the United Pentecostal Church stands on homosexuality and same-sex marriage and all this stuff, you can go to that website and there's position papers there on the, on those areas so you know where they stand in all these areas. For the perfecting of the saints, see? Because the questions has arise. How do you deal with these kind of issues? How do you deal with circumstance? So it's the same concept taken from this book, amen, to make sure that the ministry is what? Perfecting the saints. So Paul and Barnabas here is chosen to go and take the question back to Jerusalem to the headquarters to get an answer. Amen. And being brought on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenicia and Samaria, uh, Samaria declaring the conversion of the Gentiles, and they caused great joy unto all the brethren. And when they were come to Jerusalem, they were received of the church and of the apostles and elders, and they declared all the things that God had done through them. In other words, they, they were sent forth, and now they're telling what God is doing. It's just like being a missionary. They go forth, they establish, they come back, they tell everything that God has been doing. But now, but still, this question is still out there. But there arose a certain of the sect of the Pharisees, which believed, saying that it was needful to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. And the apostles and elders came together for the considerator, to consider of this matter. And when there had been much disputing, Peter rose up and said unto them, Men and brethren, you know how that of a good while ago God had chosen among us that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. In other words, Paul, Peter now, in this conference, in this council, because they're governing God's church, says, look, you remember back in Acts 10, God sent me to Cornelius, this is where he's coming from, which was Gentiles, so that they would hear the gospel. He's bringing this to their mind and to help make a decision here. And he says, and God, which knows the heart, bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did unto us. And put no difference between us and them, purified their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why tempt ye God to put a yoke upon the necks of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear. But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even as they. Then all the multitude kept silence and gave audience to Barnabas and Paul, declaring what miracles and wonders God had worked among the Gentiles by them. Now they give their part of what God is doing. Amen. They're still governing God's church. And after they had held their peace, James answered, said, Men and brethren, hearken unto me. Simeon had declared how God at the first did visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And to this grace, a disagree, the words of the prophets as it is written. After this, I will return and will build again the tabernacle of David, which is fallen down, and I will build again the ruins thereof, and I will set it up, that the residue of men might seek after the Lord, 
and all the Gentiles upon whom my name is called, saith the Lord, who doth all these things. Known unto God uh, are all his works from the beginning of the world. Wherefore, my sentence is that we trouble not them which from among the Gentiles are turned to God, but that we write unto them that they abstain from pollution of idols and from fornication and from things strangled and from blood. For Moses of old times have in every city them that preach him being read in the synagogue every Sabbath day. Then please it the apostles and elders with the whole church to send chosen men of their own company to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, namely Judas, surnamed Barnabas, and Silas, chief men among the brethren. And they wrote letters by them after this matter, the apostle and elders and brethren and greetings unto the brethren, which are of the Gentiles in Antioch and Syria and Cilicia. For as much as we have heard that certain which went out from us have troubled you with words, subverting your soul, saying you must be circumcised and keep the law to whom we gave no such commandment. It seemed good unto us being assembled with one accord to send chosen men unto you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men that have haphazard their lives for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have sent therefore Judas and Silas, who shall also tell you the same things by mouth. For it seemed good to the Holy Ghost and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things, that you abstain from meat offered to idols, and from blood, and from things strangled, and from fornication, from which, if you keep yourself, ye shall do well, fare ye well. So you see here what they did. They brought the question to the council, and the council made a decision of how the new churches would be established. Amen. And he brought them in the way that the council had established. Amen. They were baptized in Jesus' name. They were filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. They were not Jews. They, they were Gentiles. Amen. And so we had to see how that this thing worked. So during this, this month, we're going to look at, amen, how this all unfolds and how the apostolic ministry worked for the perfecting of the saints, for the working of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And what? So we all come into the unity of the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, to the perfect man, that we're no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. Amen? Praise God. Let's take a few minute break.